Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 104 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick, and hope everybody out there had a nice weekend and stayed safe. I realize a lot of us are kind of stuck inside right now, so options are kind of limited, but hopefully you had a nice time and just made the most of what's obviously a very challenging situation here. Did want to start the podcast today with the news that it looks like a second player on the Ottawa Senators has tested positive for the coronavirus. And once again, the Senators, as was the case with the first player, they are not going to disclose the identity of this player. And once again, I think that's the right call. I don't think any of us really have any right to know or any need to know. I think that's, you know, between the, I think that's up to the player, you know, if he wants to disclose that it's him and... According to the report, it seems like that player was one of 52 people who were part of a recent away trip to California, and of the 52 people on that trip, 44 have shown no symptoms, 8 of them have been tested, and now 2 have had their results come back positive. So, obviously, all the best to those two players, whoever they may be, and, and you know, hopes for a speedy recovery. And once again, anybody listening to this, I mean, I, I don't know, anybody listening could have caught the coronavirus. Anybody listening to this may know somebody who has caught the coronavirus. So all the best to you and yours, and, and just hope everybody's staying safe out there and, you know, making the best of obviously a tough situation because I think a lot of us up here in the Northeast, we're, we're kind of stuck inside right now, and it's easy to get a little bit of cabin fever, but hopefully everybody's hanging in there, and hopefully nobody's been affected too much as far as work goes. Hopefully a lot of you are able to work from home. You know, my full-time job is with WWE. I'm very fortunate because they've allowed basically the entire company to just work from home. And with WWE, the mantra is always that the show must go on. So, you know, they're actually going to press forward with WrestleMania. Although, and for anyone who doesn't follow wrestling, WrestleMania is basically the Super Bowl of wrestling shows. And that'll be happening on April 5th and actually April 4th. Now they've broken it into a two night event and it's not going to happen in Raymond James Stadium in Tampa Bay as they originally planned, but rather they're just going to tape it in a small studio at the Performance Center in Orlando, Florida. So definitely going to be a different look to WrestleMania. But yeah, that's a long way of saying that, you know, I'm very fortunate that the show has kind of gone on here with WWE and just hope that everybody out there, is, once again, is doing all right as far as work is concerned and certainly is doing good as far as health is concerned. And just one other piece of news is, as it pertains to the Senators and the players who have tested positive, it sounds like they're still awaiting tests on some other people. And they have asked everyone involved with this to self-quarantine, and it sounds like all those people are going to do just that. So, again, you know, it's a situation where, with this whole thing, it's better safe than sorry. It's best to just stay in and avoid contact for right now. And hopefully, you know, if everybody cooperates, you know, this whole thing will pass. And, you know, hockey and all the other sports, it, it's small potatoes when it compares to everybody's health. But, you know, in a perfect world... This thing will blow over in a few weeks, and as few people as possible will be impacted by it, and we can get back to playing some hockey. I think that's what everybody wants. I think, uh, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, obviously I assume you're a hockey fan, probably a Ranger fan, and, and we want to see the Blue Shirts get back out there on the ice and continue to do what they've been doing and hopefully continue a march toward a playoff spot because right now, you know, they're only two points out, so anything can happen, and then there's also been the proposal of a 24-team Stanley Cup playoff tournament, which I think would be awesome for, for one year, and you know, we'll, we'll just have to see what happens. You know, fingers crossed that this thing will blow over and we can just get back to watching some hockey. 
What I wanted to do today, and this is an episode that's kind of been in the works for quite some time now, is take a look at Jeff Gorton's weakest four moves since becoming the New York Rangers general manager. In fact, let's not even call it weakest. Let's call it the four least awesome moves that Jeff Gorton has made since becoming the Ranger GM. Because, you know, again, I think Jeff Gorton has done a great job. And not too long ago, we did a two-part countdown where we took a look at the eight best moves that Jeff Gorton has made as the Rangers general manager. Like I said, I think he's had a lot more hits than misses, but I also think it's only fair. You know, I don't want to just come on here and just be blindly positive to every single thing that the Rangers have done. I think it's only fair if we take a look at, you know, some of the swings and misses. There haven't been that many, but there's probably enough that we can do a top four here. So we're going to go ahead and do that right now. And by the way, if you're looking to find the top eight best moves that Jeff Gordon has done, I highly recommend those as well. Maybe finish this podcast and then go back there and listen to those for some positivity. But yeah, the part one of Jeff Gordon's top eight moves, we covered that in episode number 92. That episode included his eighth best move, counting down to his fifth best move. And then we finished it up with numbers four through one, the fourth best Jeff Gordon move to the best Jeff Gordon move in episode number 98. So if you haven't listened to those two episodes, I highly recommend it. Maybe listen to this one first and then go back and check those out or do it in the opposite order, whatever works best for you. But as for today, like I said, we're going to jump right into the countdown here with number four. Number four is going to be drafting Leas Anderson in the first round of the 2017 NHL draft, selecting him number seven overall. Now, on the surface, you could look at this and say that this actually should be higher on the list. Maybe this should be like number one or two rather than number four, because you might think like, hey, this is a first round draft pick. It's a top 10 draft pick, and it was a massive swing and a miss for the Rangers and for Jeff Gorton. And you're not wrong with any of that, at least not yet. And certainly that looks like it's going to continue to be the case that this was not a good draft pick for the Rangers. But the reason that this is only number four and the reason it doesn't rank higher among Jeff Gorton's worst moves is because... No one in the organization, including Leas Anderson himself, is completely blameless here. I'm not going to put this all on Jeff Gorton because some of this is on the Ranger coaching staff for how they use Leas Anderson, and I've talked about this in previous episodes, but it's just so strange because so many of these young Ranger players have been put in a position to succeed, and they have thrived this year, and they have overachieved, but for whatever reason, the Rangers never really seemed like they knew what they wanted to do with Leas Anderson. They never knew if he should be on the Rangers or if he should be on the Wolfpack, and anytime he was on the Rangers, they would only put him out there on the fourth line, and he would only get like five, six minutes of ice time per night, and that's just not going to get it done. That's not conducive to someone's success. You know, they have him on a line with Brendan Smith and Greg McKegg. That's not going to get it done either. That's not going to exactly help you spread your wings as far as showing your offensive skills is concerned. So no one's blameless here, and some of it is on Leah Anderson as well, because whether it was with the Rangers or whether it was with the Wolfpack, he has not exactly produced the kind of numbers that you would expect from a guy who was taken number seven overall in the draft. 66 career games with the Rangers over these past three seasons, and Anderson has scored a grand total of three goals and dished out a grand total of six assists. So nine points in 66 games. He's got a minus 20 overall in those games. It just hasn't worked. And again, they haven't always put him in position to succeed. But at some point, man, you just got to make a play. So it's a little bit on Leas Anderson as well. He has not lived up to the hype of a top 10 overall draft pick. He just has not gotten it done. And beyond that, he just hasn't always made things easy on the Rangers. Uh, you know, at one point, he's demanding a trade earlier this season. I believe that was in December. And it's like, man, you're 21 years old. Aren't you a little bit young to be demanding a trade from somebody? But he demanded a trade. And then there were rumors of, you know, issues within the locker room at the Wolfpack. You know, maybe there was some bullying. Maybe Leas Anderson was suffering from some kind of anxiety. 
But none of this was ever confirmed, and even now, you know, we're kind of left scratching our heads. We don't really know exactly what happened there. And listen, if Leah Anderson is being bullied, that's unacceptable. And whether that's from coaching staff or teammates, that has no place in hockey. You know, you're supposed to build your teammates up, not beat them into the ground and, and mess with them. But if it's just some light-natured ribbing, and this is something that, you know, all these guys do to each other in that locker room, and Anderson got upset about that, then, you know, maybe that's on him a little bit as well. Um, but for whatever reason, it just has not worked out. Leah Anderson just has never seemed comfortable in this Ranger organization, and at some point, you know, you just got to dig your toes in and, and and go out there and, and get it done on the ice, and he just has not done that. Now, last year on the Wolfpack, Leah Sanderson showed a little bit of hope. You know, he scored six goals and 14 assists in 36 games, so that's not terrible. I mean, if you can do that in the AHL and, and produce similar numbers in the NHL, then you can make a living as, you know, a third-line player. But the other reason I didn't rank this higher than fourth is because Leah Anderson's story has not been completely written yet. It is at least conceivable that he will one day come back to the Wolfpack, come back to the Rangers, skate in some games on the NHL level. And who knows? Maybe someday we're laughing about this. And Leah Anderson is a top six forward mainstay on the Rangers. I am very skeptical that that would happen. But certainly, stranger things have happened in life and in NHL in general. And so maybe maybe Leah Anderson will be a classic late bloomer. Maybe him and the, the organization will find some common ground. And this will all be a distant memory in one day, and he'll be a very good Ranger. If you've been a listener of this podcast, I'm sure you've heard all the great advertisers working with Locked On to reach sports fans. But you may not know that Locked On Rangers is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Ranger fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners. Not just any podcast listener, a Locked On podcast listener. If your company wants to connect with Ranger fans and a predominantly male audience that is well-educated with disposable income, then let's put your company right here on this Locked On podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses. Text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcasts.com slash advertising and let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve locked-on advertising success. Once again, text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcasts.com slash advertising. We look forward to hearing from you. Let's jump to number three on the list, and that's going to be trading Alexi Sorella, a 2016 second-round pick and a 2017 second-round pick, to the Carolina Hurricanes in exchange for Eric Stahl. This deal went down on February 28th, 2016. And Stahl at that time was not having a good season at all with the Hurricanes, especially by his own career standards. He was a free agent to be after the season, and it was pretty obvious the Rangers were just going to rent Stahl. He was all but certain to leave in free agency. And to that point in the season, he only had 10 goals and 23 assists in 63 games. And at this time, you know, the Rangers were kind of on their way back down. They had all those great deep runs in, in the playoffs. They were in the Eastern Conference Finals or deeper every season. But this is when that championship window really started to shut. And you could argue that the front office was trying to be proactive, trying to give these guys one more chance to go get a Stanley Cup and be buyers, you know, certainly rather than sellers or even just a team that stands pat at the deadline. So I do get all that. But Eric Stahl was not having a good season, and it just didn't seem likely that he was going to come over to New York, and suddenly the light bulb was going to go on, and he was just going to be a superstar player again, and he was going to carry the Rangers through the playoffs. This this team was floundering when they got Eric Stahl this season, and it was a situation where the Rangers started the season really hot, but they, they really kind of tailed off and were basically just a 500 hockey club down the stretch, really in, in just about the second half of the season. But they get to the playoffs, and they lose in five games to the Pittsburgh Penguins. So the Rangers gave up a lot of assets here in exchange for a guy who they were only going to have for a handful of games, and then clearly he was going to be on his way after the season. So to make this all-in move to go and get 
Eric Stahl at this time. The, the timing just didn't seem right. Again, it was, I don't want to say a King's Ransom, but two second-round picks and a prospect. That's nothing to sneeze at, and that's what the Rangers gave up for just 20-something games with Eric Stahl. Let's actually go ahead and check his stats here. So Stahl played 20 regular season games with the Rangers and scored just three goals and had just three assists in those 20 games. And then in the five playoff games, and again, this was a first-round loss to the Pittsburgh Penguins where the Rangers were more or less dominated by the Penguins, and Stahl went pointless in those five games. So yeah, this is not a good trade. We basically gave away a prospect and two second-rounders for three regular season goals, three regular season assists, and a big fat goose egg in the playoffs. As for Sorella, the player that the Rangers traded to the Hurricanes as part of this deal to acquire Stahl, he has since moved on to the Florida Panthers. He's still just 23 years old all these years later, and he's just getting started in his NHL career this year. In nine games with the Panthers this season, he has two goals and two assists. Again, you know, extremely small sample size. He's just getting started, but he was a third-round pick by the Rangers, so something of a prospect for the Blue Shirts, and we'll just have to wait and see what happens for Sorella. I mean, hopefully he doesn't go on. Nothing against him, but hopefully he doesn't go on and become, you know, a perennial all-star, and then this, this trade hurts even more. But as for the two draft picks that the Rangers sent to Carolina, Carolina traded the 2016 second-round draft pick to the Blackhawks, and then... The 2017 second-round pick, the Hurricanes selected defenseman Luke Martin, who has not yet made his NHL debut. So at least the Rangers didn't get totally burned there. It's not like the Hurricanes selected the superstar players who were all over the highlight reels every single night. But who knows? You know, maybe if the Rangers had held on to those two draft picks, maybe the Rangers would have had better luck, and maybe they would have selected some good players, some guys that might be contributing on the Rangers right now. I mean, it's certainly possible. There's no way to know for sure. But yeah, this was a lot to give up for Eric Stahl, who, again, was not having a good season. It didn't really seem like the time was right to go all in and and try to catch lightning in a bottle with Eric Stahl, and it just didn't work out. And, you know, the Rangers, again, they went down in the first round of the playoffs. Eric Stahl did almost nothing for this team and then left in free agency the following season. Number two is going, and by the way, this is where it starts to get really bad. This is where you really have to scratch your head and just wonder what the Rangers were thinking on these moves. The first two that I mentioned, again, the drafting of Leah Sanderson and the acquisition of Eric Stahl, both of those can somewhat be defended to a certain extent. I still don't think they were great moves, but, you know, you could at least make some sense out of them. These last two, number two and number one, I just... Don't know what they were thinking. It didn't really make any sense at the time, and as time has gone by, it hasn't made any more sense in the years that have followed. So yes, number two is going to be trading Keith Yandel to the Florida Panthers in exchange for a 2016 sixth-round draft pick and a 2017 conditional fourth-round draft pick. How the Rangers got essentially nothing for an offensive defenseman of Keith Yandel's caliber is something that I will never understand. It will keep me up at night from now until the end of time. It will never make any sense. And that's not to say Yandel was a perfect player. He was flawed. I mean, you sacrifice a little bit of defense with Yandel for some of the offense that he brings. Although I would argue he's not a bad defensive defenseman either. He's he's average or maybe slightly below average. But he does give you some offensive fireworks. And he's a great point man on the power play. And I realize, you know, you could make the argument that the Rangers could have or maybe even should have traded Keith Yandel at that time. I was a big Yandel fan, so maybe I'm a little bit biased. But I do, I can at least acknowledge that he was in the last year of his contract, and maybe it was a situation where the Rangers didn't feel like they could sign him to a long-term deal, and so let's trade him now rather than get nothing for him when he leaves. Okay, fine. I can at least accept that. 
because you can't always keep everybody. And if you, as an organization, think that a trade needs to be made, then okay. I, I Again, I, I understand. It's not something I necessarily agree with, but I can at least understand if you felt you had no other option but to move on from Keith Yandel at that time and get something for him while you could still get something for him. But a six-round draft pick and a fourth-round draft pick for a guy who regularly, pretty much every season, he's in the top five or at least like the top seven in points among defensemen. And that's the best you could get for him? How is that the best possible return package for Keith Yandel? And better yet, if that truly is all that you could get for Keith Yandel, a fourth rounder and a sixth rounder, then why do it in the first place? Why not just hang on to Yandel? Why not start the season with Yandel still on your roster? Again, he, he's going to be uh, you know, a, a big-time contributor. He's, he's going to be on the ice. He's going to be playing. He's going to be on the power play. He's going to be making things happen and racking up assists like he always does. Why not just have him stick around and have him do that? And then maybe it gets near the trade deadline, and if the Rangers aren't in contention at that time, now you look to trade him. Now maybe more teams are more desperate and teams are looking for an offensive-minded defenseman. And maybe his stock has gone up by that point. Maybe he's having another really nice season with the Rangers, as he had already done a couple of times. And maybe the demand is just bigger than it was in the offseason. I'm sure if the Rangers would have held on to Keith Yandel that season to the trade deadline and waited until them to trade him, they had to have been able to do better than this. A fourth-rounder and a sixth-rounder. And... You know, if you have to trade him then, then you have to trade him then. It is what it is. But instead, they trade him in the offseason. Yandel was a very good player at the time, and he's now 33 years old, but he has remained one of the best offensive defensemen in hockey. He played a year and a half with the Rangers, 103 games, 7 goals, 51 assists for a defenseman. Not to mention, again, he, he was a very, very good player on the power play. He had good vision. It seemed like he always made the right decision with the puck. So, again, I ask you guys, how does Keith Yandel get you nothing more than a fourth-round draft pick and a sixth-round draft pick? And if you're the Rangers, how are you not holding out for more than that? How are you not continuing to shop him, continuing to look around the league? Hey, do you want Keith Yandel? He might be available, but, you know, we got to get some draft picks in return. To settle on a fourth and a sixth, I just, I didn't understand it then. I will never understand it for as long as I live. And so, yeah, that's got to be number two. I actually thought about making this number one, and I'm going to spoil it right now. Number one is going to be the trade that sent uh, JT Miller and Ryan McDonough to the Tampa Bay Lightning, because with that trade, you could at least make the argument that the Rangers got a decent return. I mean, maybe there were people out there who were more bullish on Vladislav Nemestikov and more bullish on Liber Hayek and more bullish on Brett Howden and more bullish on the first-round draft pick. Maybe, maybe people thought that this was a nice return for the Rangers at the time. But with Yandel, this Yandel trade, you never could have said, like, man, that's a nice return for Keith Yandel, man, a fourth-rounder and a sixth-rounder. There's no one who said that. There's no one who could have possibly looked at that and thought that the Rangers got the better end of that deal. Not a chance. And just for some context... Uh, with the six-round pick in 2016, the Rangers selected Tyler Wall. And now he is a solid prospect in the organization. He's a goalie, and, and that's a great name for a goalie. But, you know, we had Lundqvist when the pick was made, and now we have Shesterkin. So I'm not sure how much we're going to see of Wall, if he's ever really going to crack the Rangers roster, or if maybe he ends up getting traded somewhere else. And again, it's nothing against Tyler Wall. He didn't do anything wrong. But it just seems like we're set in net for now with Shesterkin going forward. And and that's especially true if Alex Georgiev re-signs after this season is over. And as for the fourth-round pick that the Rangers acquired, again, that was a 2017 fourth-round pick. The Rangers ended up trading it to the Sharks. So nothing really came of this move for the Rangers. I mean, again, Wall, you know, he is a prospect. Maybe he goes on to have a nice NHL career. But a fourth-rounder and a sixth-rounder for, for Keith Yandel, unacceptable.
and the number one least awesome move of the Jeff Gordon general manager era. As I just mentioned a few minutes ago, it's going to be trading Ryan McDonough and JT Miller to the Tampa Bay Lightning in exchange for Vladislav Nemesikov, Liber Hayek, Brett Howden, a 2018 first round pick, and a 2019 conditional second round pick. And that second round pick would have become a first round pick if the Tampa Bay Lightning had won the Stanley Cup in 2018 or 2019. Spoiler alert, they did not win the Cup. That remained a second round pick. And the reason this is number one, it's the same reason why the Yandel trade was number two. These two had to be one and two in one order or the other. And the reason is because I thought both trades were bad at the time that they were made, and I still think they were bad now, and nothing really changed. There was no point from the second that these teams agreed on this deal to current day that I thought that these were good deals for the Rangers. And as for this number one pick, quite simply, I did not think that the Rangers received enough in return for two players, the caliber of Ryan McDonough and JT Miller, two very popular Rangers. And again, maybe I'm a little bit biased because I like both these players. Maybe a lot of us Ranger fans were biased at the time. We all felt that we should have gotten more for these guys because they were both very popular players, both guys who contributed to some deep playoff runs. But yeah, I mean, it, it just was not enough of a haul for, for two players as good as McDonough and JT Miller. And this is a trade. It went down at the 2018 deadline, February 26th of that year. And the Rangers gave away, again, two beloved rock-solid players for a very modest return. And, you know, Ryan McDonough, we'll, we'll start with him. He'd anchored the Ranger blue line for about eight years. For my money, he was the best defenseman on those Ranger teams that had made all those lengthy playoff runs and gone to the Stanley Cup Finals and been to the Eastern Conference Finals all those times. And, you know, he would throw his weight around a little bit, McDonough. But the thing that impressed me the most about him was his willingness to block a shot and just the simple fact that he never got beat. It just seemed like he was always in perfect position. And if he was on the ice, he felt good. You felt he was going to take care of business and keep shots to the outside and not let the opponents get the puck in deep. And he was part of that blocked shot factory with Dan Girardi and Mark Stahl and even Anton Strollman to a lesser extent as well. But the other thing about this trade, and you know, you think of McDonough now as kind of like this grizzled veteran, which he is in a sense, but he's still just 30 years old. He was 28 when this deal was made. And when you've got a guy like this, Ryan McDonough, an elite defenseman, a guy who just has no weaknesses whatsoever in his game, and you're coming up on the trade deadline, and you know there's all these teams looking to be buyers and looking to go out and get these players. How do you not get more than the Rangers got for Ryan McDonough? That's before you even factor in that they already that they also included J.T. Miller in the trade as well. Yeah, I just think that it just was not enough for Ryan McDonough. I mean. These kinds of defensemen don't just fall out of trees. Guys that'll hit and guys that'll block shots and guys that can contribute a little bit offensively and guys that just, again, they just never make mistakes. Team leaders. He was the Ranger captain at the time. What am I missing here? How did the Rangers not get more for Ryan McDonough? And there should be teams lining up around the block to trade for this guy. So create a bidding war. Play these teams off of each other and get yourself a Ryan McDonough-worthy return on the trade. There had to be some demand for Ryan McDonough at this time, and, and they should have been able to get more for him. And that's before we even, again, bring JT Miller into the equation. Let's go ahead. Let's bring Miller into the equation, okay? So the weird thing here is that Miller's name wasn't really coming up all that much around the trade deadline this season. He was still in his mid-20s, I believe 25 at the time, and the writing was kind of on the wall with McDonough, and you could, you know what, you could make the argument, you could make the argument that Ryan McDonough, the Rangers needed to trade him because they didn't feel like they would be able to give him a long-term contract. So, okay, you can at least somewhat understand that. I still don't think the return was enough, but you can at least understand why they moved him. With JT Miller, I have no idea why they traded him. Again, he was in his mid-20s, and even now he's still only 27 years old. And 
you're watching the trade deadline that day, and you, you know you're getting up to date. This was on deadline day, and all of a sudden you find out that not only is McDonough heading to Tampa Bay, but J.T. Miller is going with him. And as a Ranger fan, you're kind of conflicted because it's like, wow, you know, I didn't want to lose both of those guys, and this this Miller thing really kind of blindsided me. But you know what? I bet the return package has to be massive. This has to be a situation where the Lightning have basically just unloaded their farm system, and they're going all in, and they're pushing all their chips to the center of the table, as they should, because they had a great team at the time. They had a team that certainly was capable of winning the Stanley Cup. But then you look at the return, and, and you're trying to, like, figure out what the best part of it is and, and nothing's really jumping off the page at you and it's just disappointing because again it just felt like the Rangers gave these guys away not for nothing but for not nearly enough not nearly as much as they should have been able to get for McDonough and Miller if you want to rebuild and you're the Rangers that's one thing but this was not the way to do it because this was basically just a collection of middling assets that the Rangers got in return for these two guys so again if you're going to trade McDonough and Miller fine you got to do what you got to do but you've got to get something big in return. Give me that one really big prospect and a first-round pick rather than a first-round pick and, like, three, like, kind of middling prospects, guys that weren't, you know, really that hot of commodities at the time. And again, just, just to run through everything that the Rangers got in return here, we'll start with Vladimir Mesikov. Now, to be fair, he was a former first-round pick, but he hadn't really done a whole lot in his time in the NHL except for the one season with Tampa Bay where, guess who his line mates were? Yeah, Steven Stamkos and Nikita Kucherov. And I think we probably have some people listening to this show right now. You throw them out there on the ice with those two guys, they might be able to put up decent numbers. So, you know, the Rangers really should have been able to figure out that Nemestikov's numbers were clearly inflated by playing with two of the best players in hockey, but, you know, they made him basically the centerpiece of this deal, and he was thrown right out there onto the Rangers. He played 99 games with the Rangers, scored just 13 goals, and had just 22 assists. And he actually, it's... it's easy to forget this now because it feels like so long ago with everything that's happened. But Nemesikov started this season with the Rangers. He skated in two games with them, didn't score a point, obviously, and they traded him to the Ottawa Senators, and he's since been dealt to Colorado. Now, he has played a little bit better since leaving New York, but man, they gave him a chance. 99 games, that's not a small sample size. That's a season and, you know, about a quarter. You got to show something in that amount of time. He did not and at no point did he ever look like he was a worthy centerpiece of a trade, again, that involves McDonough and Miller. What about Liber Hayek? Now, Hayek, he's still young. You know, he is still just 22 years old. He was a former second-round pick of the Tampa Bay Lightning in 2016, and he skated in 28 games with the Rangers this year, had five assists, got hurt, has been in the Wolfpack ever since. But it's one of those situations where I don't think Hayek really took the bull by the horns, at least not to the extent that Orion Lindgren did. And look, the jury's still out. Hayek could still go on to be a good NHL player and a good NHL defense. And maybe a few years from now, the Rangers are going to be uh, very happy that they made this trade and that they have Liber Hayek. But do we really think, can we realistically look at this and say that we think that Liber Hayek is going to turn out to be a better player than Ryan McDonough or JT Miller? I'd say that's a bit of a long shot and it's not impossible. It could happen, but I never looked at Liber Hayek like he was this massive can't miss prospect. When the trade was made, my understanding was Nemestikov was kind of the centerpiece of the deal, at least of the in terms of the players that they got back. Obviously, there were draft picks in there too. But yeah, I mean, Hayek to me was just kind of I don't want to say a throw-in, but he was certainly, you know, a level or two down from Nemestikov. Nemestikov was supposed to be the prize acquisition there. And then you've also got Brett Howden. And now Brett Howden also, a former first-round pick, still just 21 years old. 
But, you know, Howden has been with the Rangers all season. He has skated in 70 games. He skated in 66 games with the Rangers last season. So almost two full seasons. I think he plays hard, but I don't know. I mean, he doesn't really jump off the ice to me when I'm watching the Rangers. I mean, maybe it's different. Maybe you guys are are more bullish on Brett Howden than I am, but I just haven't seen anything that makes me believe that he's going to be a spectacular NHL player. Now, again, I've preached... I've preached patience with Capo Caco. It's only fair if I do the same thing here for Brett Howden. But again, even if he does turn out to be a really, really nice player for the Rangers, do we think that he's going to be better, again, than JT Miller or Ryan McDonough? Will Brett Howden be more valuable to the Rangers than either one of those guys was at the time or would be now? And I, again, I, I just don't see it. And I hope I'm wrong. I hope Brett Howden turns out to be a great player for the Rangers. I hope he makes some all-star teams. I, th- I hope he's becomes a a major centerpiece of this rebuild. But again, you know, I I just don't know that that's going to happen. I don't know that he's ever going to reach the level of a JT Miller or a Ryan McDonough, who have both been great players ever ever since that trade. They They were very good players at the time, and Ryan McDonough has continued to do what he does in Tampa Bay, and JT Miller since moved on to Vancouver, and he's having just an unbelievable season, his age 27 season here with the Canucks. Miller in 69 games with Vancouver this season has 27 goals and 45 assists, so he is at more than a point per game for the Canucks, and is Brett Howden ever going to have a season like that? Maybe he will. Maybe he will, and I'll look back on this, and we'll all look back on this, and we'll all laugh, and and maybe this is the only season where JT Miller is going to produce at the clip that he's producing, because again, before this season, his previous career high total in points was just 58, and he's at 72 this year. So maybe Brett Howden takes off and, and becomes a great NHL player and eclipses JT Miller. I'm just not so sure that that's going to happen, and I just don't know why the Rangers found it necessary to include JT Miller in this trade. If they were going to do this trade and they were going to move Ryan McDonough, then just take the part of this trade for Ryan McDonough. You know what I mean? So like if that means that the Rangers then couldn't have Liber Hayek and the second round pick and they could only have the other three things, then fine, do that. I didn't see a reason why the Rangers needed to almost like shove JT Miller into this deal. Didn't get it then, don't get it now. And yeah, I, again, this this trade to me, is it possible that things still work out? It's possible because with that first round pick, the Rangers ended up selecting Niles Lundqvist and the Ranger organization is very high on him. It's entirely possible that he goes on to be a great player for the Rangers, and we'll all be very happy that they have him. But again, at the time, I didn't think it was enough for McDonough and Miller. I didn't think the return package was big enough, and I stand by those thoughts right now. I I still don't think it was enough in exchange for JT Miller and Ryan McDonough. But again, I said this at the start of the show. It bears repeating right now. I do like Jeff Gordon. I do think overall he's done a really nice job with the Rangers. And again, go back and check out those two episodes if you haven't heard them. Episodes 92 and 98, where we count down eight through one, the best eight moves of Jeff Gordon's tenure as general manager of the New York Rangers. And again, overall, I think he's done a, a really nice job here. It does take some guts to just blow everything up and rebuild, but he's swung and missed just like any other general manager has in any other sport, and I thought it would only be appropriate and only be fair if we looked at some of, you know, the uh, the misses, the misses, and I think to do a top four rather than a top eight was appropriate, because like I said, I think he's done more good moves than bad moves, but yeah, just had to be fair here, count on the top four uh, least awesome moves of the Jeff Gordon era, so that's going to do it for today, guys. Uh, once again, thank you for tuning in. I hope everybody is staying safe out there. hope everybody had a nice weekend, and you're getting through the work week here okay under these circumstances. And again, if you want to get in touch with this podcast, send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. And be sure to give us a follow on Twitter at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Now go ahead and tell your smart device to play the latest episode of Locked On NHL. That's it for today, guys. I will see you next time.